You're listening to the Sports Brothers Podcast by Sam and Brian Dostal. Everything sports, all the time. Folks, we have a treat for you in store for the Sports Brothers podcast on this Sunday, August 2nd. Can't believe it's already the 8th month of 2015. Sam is not going to be on today's show. He was at a wedding last night, and he has the Connecticut Tigers to game to call tonight. So we have a new special guest. You have not heard this voice on this podcast yet. It's not Damon Gray. It's not Mike, and Mike Cosentino. They've already been on this podcast. It's Nick Akinfora. Nick how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Brian. How about yourself? Doing well. We're going to do a lot of MLB talk today, right? The MLB trade deadline just happened a few days ago. First of all, Nick, what were your overall thoughts of this entire trade deadline? Uh, well, I just want to begin with saying that I was just shocked over the fact that there was so much talk about San Diego and making so many deals on Friday and nothing happened. Uh, so that was a little bit, no doubt about it, that the winners in the most, you know, really talked about team was Toronto. I mean, Toronto made deals everywhere, uh, and I think they put themselves in position not only to get in the playoffs, but possibly if they can get hot at some point and they play the Yankees 13 more times, maybe take that AL East. Yeah, let's start with those Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, they obviously made the biggest splash, as you mentioned. But when you, I mean, you never see this, right? A team that grabs two uh franchise players in Troy Tulowitzki yeah. and David Price. I mean, Tulowitzki, he's batting leadoff in a lineup that already has Josh Donaldson, already has Edwin Encarnacion, Jose Batista. It's a stacked lineup. And then you get David Price, who, of course, is, is a multiple all-star, Cy Young Award winner, to really solidify rotation, Nick, that, quite frankly, he's a quality starting pitcher. Yeah, and, you know, I was a little bit, um, at first, when I first heard about the Tulowitzki deal, I'm thinking to myself, why are the Blue Jays doing this? Yeah, you know, you, you know, you could... Go. You can only go so far with offense. I think we've learned that uh, the past few years, seeing teams like the Giants and the Royals win World Series. So I was a little bit taken back by that. But then I kind of realized maybe this is uh, they're going to flip it and get a pitcher out of it. I even think they were going to keep Tulowitzki at first, and then they get Price. And now let's not forget Latroy Hawkins and Mark Loves. I think a lot of people, you know, have been so um, you know excited, especially Blue Jays fans, of those two big names. Think about the smaller names they brought in and Ben Revere to off for them at times as well. I think that those three guys are going to have much more of an impact than I think not just fans of the Blue Jays, but a lot of people in baseball know of right now. Yeah, Ben Revere coming over from the Phillies, Mark Lowe from the Seattle Mariners. Uh, when that Tulowitzki deal went down, Nick, it was it was like 12, 30, 1 o'clock, and I was actually just about to uh, put, turn my computer off and go to bed, and I saw break Ken Rosenthal tweets, breaking too low to Jays. I'm like, what? I, I didn't believe it. I mean, it, they came out of nowhere. You thought that even Tulowitzki himself was shocked, and he thought he was staying put in Colorado, but he's going up north. And, I mean, and, and you mentioned, it just seems like with the, this acquisition of Tulowitzki that the Blue Jays are kind of going the opposite direction, where in yeah. baseball, you got to get loaded up on pitching, pitching, pitching. But the Blue Jays, they've loaded up on offense, 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 and they're trying to out-hit everybody. 
It's it was again, like I said, I was very surprised. I woke up. I went to bed at about eleven thirty because now I'm a full time working man, so I have to go to bed a little bit earlier than uh, most other Look people. Look at you. So, yeah, so I, I woke up and I got the ESPN breaking news on my on my phone. I I'm you know I wake up and you're almost shocked, thinking you know why they do that? What's the point of it? And then you know a week later they get price and things just continue to happen for them. And uh, I mean, like I said, I think they put themselves in great position uh, down the stretch. One of the players that the Rockies organization got in return was a starting pitcher by the name of Jeff Hoffman, and he made his uh, Rockcats debut yesterday against the Erie Seawolves. I'm going to pull up his numbers in a second. He was the ninth overall pick in last year's draft, in the 2014 draft, so this kid is quickly uh, getting up the ranks in AA. Uh, Let's see what his line was. Four and two-thirds, six hits, three earned, six strikeouts. But, Nick, this is a kid that has a fastball 97, 98 miles an hour. So if you're a New Britain Rockcats fan, baseball fan, you got to go check this kid out. I'm sure we'll be making at least one or two more home starts for the Rockcats this season. Yeah, I'm sure. And, you know, when those guys have that velocity like that, you never know what they could become in terms of when they get up to the majors. We've seen a lot of pitchers over the past few years. They bring them up. Maybe they're a starter now, but maybe they become a good bullpen guy. Look at Dylan Batances. He was starting for years in the minors off the Yankees organization. He comes up, and now he's a dominant setup man, and he also, I think, could be a closer for about 10 or 15 teams in, in the majors. There's no doubt about it. Are you happy with the way that the Yankees uh, went through the trade line? I think they're one of the losers of the trade line. They needed a starter. Michael Padilla just went on the disabled list. I mean, you can't rely on CC Sabathia right now. The Yankees' best pitcher, I think, is Nathan Avaldi at this point. And when he's your ace, you're struggling. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, the way I looked at it was when they got Ackley, I'm thinking, okay, maybe that was just kind of for starters. They wanted to get rid of maybe a guy like Drew. They ended up dropping Jones. I was a little surprised by that, but like our friend Matt Boss, he says, whenever the Yankees are close to letting go of Drew, he goes out there and hits two home runs in a game. So, you know, it's uh, he's he's uh, he has like 13 home runs, I think, on the season. So, I mean, he's hitting the ball uh, well for power, I guess you could say, for, for, uh, for, for Stephen Drew, but... Yeah, you know, I, I agree with the fact that I think they're actually one of the biggest losers in the entire trade. Deadline. And I feel like no one's talking about it either. I feel like no one's mentioning them. And you look around, and, and even the Orioles made a few moves. Nothing nothing major, but they made moves uh, to make themselves better. And then the Blue Jays, of course, we, we've been talking about. But the Yankees, I figured, you know, I didn't think they had to go out and get, um, you know, a, a big-time name. Uh, Shields would have been, I think, even a little bit too big. You know, going down the line of guys that were traded, I, I mean, I, they could have went after a Dan Heron, why not, or a Mike Leak. I don't know why they didn't do something like that. Um, I, I thought it just would have been nice to have that kind of tier B guy. You didn't need to have, I guess, a big, a big name, but I think someone to kind of keep things going while Pineda's out, uh, someone that could stay healthy because we know the Yankees pitchers, we don't know what to expect from them. But one thing I will mention, Brian, and you'll see him against your Red Sox on Wednesday, is, is Severino, who actually picked up my fantasy team as well. I'm glad to have him. Is Scouts have said for almost a year now uh, that they have been shocked that this kid hasn't been pitching in the majors because he, because he has, he's that good. Um, and some have even said, I don't know why he's not up there for CC, and CC loses a rotation spot. I think the Yankees are just trying to be with Sabathia, maybe a little bit patient uh, out of respect, and also the fact that they're paying him over $20 million, uh, to keep him in that rotation. But more than anything, I kind of want to see how this kid turns out. I, I, I and. From what I've also heard and read on Twitter, they're ripping the innings limit off of him. So this could be huge for the Yankees if he ends up being a quality starter the rest of the year, maybe into the playoffs so they could push him into the bullpen. 
And the Yankees, they're also, there are big discussions that they're going to trade for a reliever. They were looking at Kimbrough. They were looking at uh, Ardellis Chapman. I'm thinking, why? You already have Batances and Andrew Miller in the 8th and ninth inning. I guess if you want to make it a 6-inning game and go 7-8-9 with those three relievers. But, you know, just, just real, I mean, real quick, I, I was just shocked they were going after those relievers more so, at least reportedly, this is all reports, more so than a Mike Leak, than a Danny Heron, than a Matt Latos. Well, there was a report that the Yankees actually at 3.30 on Friday spoke with the Padres, and they offered Mateo, their, their young prospect shortstop, who the Padres had wanted early in the day. They said, we'll give you Kimbrough if you add Mateo into a deal. They said yes. The Yankees said they would take on the salary of the players that would come over for the Padres. So pretty much the Padres were going to work. We're going to get a pretty good deal in this. And then at 3.30 when the Yankees came back with Mateo, Padres said no. They wanted Severino. They wanted these different names. The Yankees made it clear they weren't trading Severino. They weren't trading Judge. Uh, Aaron Judge, that is right fielder for them, also first and third baseman. So, I mean, there's I, – I see after the fact, seeing the Yankees couldn't get a starter, maybe why they would want to go that route. But I do agree in the fact that I thought it was more important for them to get a starter. Even uh, – Brian, I, this might sound crazy. Even a bat before they got another closer because you already have two closers in your bullpen. However, when you see what the Royals did last year with the 7th and 8th and ninth inning, oh, yeah. guys, they, oh, yeah. they had success. And for the Yankees, with their health for their starters, maybe they think, hey, we can't get a starter now. If we can grab Kimbrell or Chapman, you put them in the ninth inning. The game is over in the 6th inning. I just can't believe how well the Yankees are hitting this year. I mean, they scored 13 runs the other night against the White Sox, 21 runs against the Rangers. Yeah. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. About, yeah, the funny part about that Rangers game is I, I – I was um, up in Providence and watching it, so I got a chance to watch it on ESPN. Was uh, the f- sports, I believe, and I'm one of the two. But you're watching it and you're seeing the Yankees, and it's it's not the long ball that's getting them all the runs. It's it's base hit, base hit, base hit, base hit, base hit, base hit, uh, and then finally Young hits the grand slam. But it was a little bit odd to see them score that many runs. Oh, Houston Astros, they pick up Scott Casimir, and this was a week before the trade deadline. So this was this was a, a low key but a big deal. I mean, this Casimir now has the lowest ERA in the American League, and he's now in a starting rotation that's filled with Dallas Keuchel, uh, Lance McCullers, Colin McHugh. I mean, this is I mean the Astros, of course, it's, it's a young good core, but this is a starting rotation, Nick, that I think could that could give some other teams some trouble. Uh, yeah, I think there's no doubt about it. You know, it's interesting because I think the Astros organization, um, the upper organization, they thought to themselves. You have the Correa, the Correas of the world. You have all these young players that are coming up, and they look really, really good. But however, they didn't think they were going to have this success this year. I think they figured maybe two years down the road, uh, and they started to see how well they could play together. So I think the GM and, and the organization spoke, and they said, "Hey, let's go all in this year. I think we have a, a very good chance of taking the West." And like we said, Brian, and you know it better than anyone else, is Major League Baseball playoffs. You could be the second wild card team. You could make a run to the World Series. It doesn't matter anymore. I mean, Anything baseball, can happen. That's the one thing about baseball that I love. I mean, uh, compared to baseball and football are very alike in that way. I think that no matter what team you are seated in the playoffs, you can make a run. The NBA a little bit different. I think more of the higher seeds normally make a deep run. Once in a while, you'll see a low seed make a run. But that's what I love. I mean, look at look at the Astros. They're a young team. They went all in. They made some great deals. Casimir is going to work out great for them. Um, and, and they they play in that ballpark where they could really hit the long ball. Uh, they have that lineup. They strike out a lot. Of, but you know what? They make up for it with the home runs. So really, right now, I, I, I will make a full prediction. I think they're very capable of taking the ALS. 
yeah, so you know, they would. I think they can win the AL, AL West over uh, the Angels, uh, but it's really due to the fact that the Angels now don't have C.J. Wilson. He was a quality starter for him for a while um, it, throughout the year. I mean, again, he didn't have great numbers. I had him in my fantasy team. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of hurt to drop him because he was putting up good enough numbers, um, especially in that division where they could hit. The Astros can hit, and so can the Angels. But at the same time, who's going to have the pitching? And right now, I think the Astros have the better team um, on the mound. Uh, and that's why I think they might be able to win this division. Uh, and Carlos Gomez, just what a bizarre uh, sequence of events there. We thought he was going to New York. He was going to be on the Mets. And then the Mets said, no, Carlos, your hip is too hurt, so we're not going to take you. So then less than 24 hours later, he's on a plane off to Houston. And immediately the Astros get a guy that could be a top-of-the-lineup guy, can get on base, steal some bags. He actually only has seven this year, which uh, yeah, after weird. thirty after three seasons of 30-plus. Um, but and, and he's through contract through next year, through 2016. So and, and you look at a situation for the Astros where George Springer is down uh, with that, I believe it's a wrist injury. He could be out for even longer than originally uh, prognosed. So this, I think, great pickup for the Astros. I mean, they, they're also a winner of this trade deadline. And you know what, Brian, he's an energy guy, too. I think he's good in the clubhouse. I know we've seen him have his mishaps with guys like Brian McCann when he hit that ball, uh, the home run, and he kind of stared at it. And that was still when he was kind of younger. McCann and, and the Braves didn't really respect that too much. But he's a fiery guy in the clubhouse, and I think he's a good guy to have there out in the field. He plays, he plays great defense, um, and I believe he has, uh, I, you know, I can't remember the statistic for it, but they had it on SportsCenter the other day in terms of saving runs in the outfield. He's like number one in baseball, or he has been over the past couple of years. So, I mean, uh, great defensively. He could hit the ball for power. Uh, he could run. I mean, I uh, said only seven stolen bases, which is a bit surprising, but he could run. Um, and let's not forget about Mike Fires in this deal because I think a lot of people overlook that a little bit too. I know he only has, uh, you know, five wins, but – there's a lot of times that I've seen him in highlights, and, and a lot of people, a lot of scouts, and a lot of you know guys on baseball tonight, Jason Stark, Tim Kirch, and Buster only say this this guy has good stuff. He's not you know he's not a, a, a you know blow it by you type of guy, but he's a good pitcher, and I think he could work out really well in Houston as well. Another reason why they just they really made great moves and put themselves I think in great position to win the division. The New York Mets. Boy, I am. I've always been a supporter of the New York Mets, Nick. They're, they're they've always been my second team, and after these last couple ga- days with tra- trading for Yohan Cespedes and last week getting Juan Uribe and Kelly Johnson, I'm all on board. The Red Sox sucked this year. I'm all on board on these Mets. I mean, and people are saying, but are, c- can you consider them as playoff con- a, a playoff contending team? And I'm saying yes. Look, their offense may not be spectacular, but when you have what, four aces on your squad when you have pitchers that can go out there and give you seven scoreless innings each night, you can win those ugly three to two games or like a 12 inning walk off win against the Nationals, a two to one victory. I mean, th- th- they're in those games, and especially in the postseason where you could really stretch these uh, pitchers out and you could throw Harvey game one, you come back, he'd come back for a game five and then say the Grom throws game seven. You know, it's. They are very, very much in the picture, and I think people really need to start taking notice of that. And, you know, behind the, the Dodgers' one-two punch of, of Kershaw and um, Greinke, there's no doubt in my mind, I think the Mets honestly have those three – those are three scary pitchers. So Syndergaard's just as good, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. People don't talk about him just because DeGrom and Harvey are so good. But that's scary in the playoffs. If you have to face those three in a five-game series – 
or you have to face them in a, in a championship series or World Series. That's scary. Now, the offense, I think they made some great moves, first of all. Juan Uribe is a veteran guy, uh, another good guy in the clubhouse. He's a guy you could really look at, and you see he has a winning attitude. He's been on teams that have won. Um, and then Kelly Johnson, okay, I can work with that. That's fine. I mean, he has some pop. Uh, I mean, he can get the job done sometimes. I don't think it was a big deal. Um Cespedes, I think, is great. I, I think they needed that extra-handed bat in the lineup. I think they got it now. Um, if they could stay healthy throughout the rest of the season, I, I, you know, and I wouldn't go as far. I would, I will go as far to say, if the Nats' pitching struggles, besides Scherzer, I know he's been great, but if they start to fall off at all any time their season, and the Mets and Nats play, I, I'm not, not sure how many more times, but I think plenty enough for the Mets to maybe grab a lead over them. Don't be surprised if the Mets get hot offensively because we know they have the pitching offensively. Lucas Duda has five home runs in the last three, two or three games. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, and personally, I think I think it's better that the Mets got Cespedes better than Gomez. Because first, I mean, first of all, you keep Wilmer Flores who hit the walk off. I mean, that's that's just storybook there in itself. Um, but I just think Cespedes is he he. he he drives a ball more than Gomez. And, and I know he doesn't get it on base as much as Carlos Gomez does, but this is a power batter, plays very good defense, has a can of an arm, will throw any throw out anybody at the plate. Uh, I, I just think the Cespedes deal was better. And they and they keep Zach Wheeler. That's a yeah, big part, that's, too. That's huge as well, yeah. People people didn't look at that too much. Uh, but, you know, maybe Brian, he, if I'm correct, he won the home run derby at City Field, so I'm sure yes. he, he knows what the ball looks like going yes. over the wall there. So uh, maybe it'll work out pretty well over there. But, yeah, I think the Mets, like I said, they put themselves in, in good position, almost in a sense like the like the Blue Jays to maybe make that run and win, win the division. However, Brian, the way I look at it is even if they don't and they grab that wild card, whether it be the first or second, and personally I think it will probably be the second because of how good the Pirates are. The Pirates will probably take that first one, I, I think, right now. But, uh, again, anything could – can happen because there's so many teams, and I think I want to maybe talk about that next in the National League. But the Mets, okay, you don't win the division, but you get to throw out maybe a Harvey in that wild card game. You win that, then you don't have to worry because a couple days later you still have DeGrom and Syndergaard to go right after them. So, you know, it's 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 almost a great situation to be in because they could use their so-called ace, but they have two more guys right behind them. Right now, currently, the Mets are three and a half out of the second wild card, and they're a game back of the Nationals in the National League East. I mean, can you just imagine if the Nationals don't make the postseason, if the Mets somehow win the division? I mean, it'd be unbelievable. Yeah, you know, as much as I've always said I would love to see the Nationals win a World Series, I would love to see the Mets get back. In the oh, playoffs. absolutely. You know, I'm a Yankees fan, too. And, you know, I don't like the Mets, but at the same time, I love this. Because I feel bad for the fans sometimes, Brian, because <laughs> I feel really bad for them sometimes. But look at the NL, though. Look at the NL right now, because you have, Sam Fran and you have the Dodgers, and you know Sam Fran's going to get hot. I get the, oh, they the always nice do. Up with Leak, they're going to and uh, Pence. Ever since Pence got back, he's been good. Um, it, I mean, those two right there, and then in the Central you have the Cardinals and, and Pirates, and you have the Mets, and you have uh, the the Nationals, and then also the the Padres claim they kept their guys because they think they can pee. I don't I, I don't know about that one. That might be going a little bit far. The Diamondbacks aren't a bad team. I think, I think the NL is really wide open in terms of who's going to make the playoffs, and it makes you start to think it's almost too bad six teams couldn't be in the playoffs because I think there's six or seven teams capable of winning a World Series in the NL. The Texas Rangers, they grab Cole Hamels. Finally, the Phillies let him go. After a couple of years of being on the trade block, he goes to Texas, and he loves the situation, Nick. He loves because uh, his wife, or he lives in, in the Texas area, so it's good for his family. And he's under control for three more years. 
and he comes to a ball club that, folks, the Rangers are in this playoff race. They're, they're only, let me check, they're only four games out with the second wild card. So they're right there. They they are right there, and they're, they're in position to pounce. And Cole Hamels, he struggled in his first uh, start as a Ranger last night. But, you know, it, it's certainly, when you have a rotation for next year of Hamels, you Darvish will be coming off Tommy John surgery, Derek Collin, shoulder surgery, Martin Perez, and Chi-Chi Gonzalez. I mean, that's affordable rotation for the Rangers. Yeah, and the offense has, has, has always been pretty good. I mean, you still have, if Hamilton could be, I don't, I'm not going to say what he was before when he was with the Rangers. That's just unrealistic. But if he's even, you know, 50 to 75% of what he was. And I think that's something that a lot of people mention is after he left Anaheim and went back to Texas, I think he has a comfortability there where he just feels more comfortable being uh, with the Rangers. I think after a whole, you know, issue off the field that he had, the Rangers brought him in, they gave him a chance, and he played really well there. So hopefully everything works out. But, Brian, you're right. That, that team, it, can you imagine the West next year? You're thinking about it now. I know the A's are down, but you never know what, what Billy's going to do over there. He might make a few moves and put them in contention somewhere. But you're talking three teams there. And in the Central, the Tigers hopefully will do something to get themselves back on track. We have the, one of the best hitters in baseball in Cabrera. You could usually get things pretty much done. And then the, in the AL East, it's you know, they beat up on each other all the time. But you're looking at both leagues now. With that extra wild card, Brian, that adds so much more fun to the game. because it's Oh, absolutely. It's great. like they have a chance. Yeah. Up to the last day, it seems like every every team has a chance. And, yeah, and it just, when you see that, I mean, right now, the, let's, let's, let's look at a team. The Tigers, they're four and a half out of the second wild card. They'd be... Five and a half. I don't know. It just keeps more teams involved. I mean, even I mean, I'll say even the, the A's. They're nine out. I mean, it's not insurmountable. I mean, it's it's a yeah. huge, huge hill. But you know, they're even they are still uh, in a little bit of a contention. Um, let's go back to the Angels. They acquired three outfielder Shane Victorino from the Red Sox, who was who teared up in his press conference that when you heard about that. Yeah, um, I was. And he and he said he was going to retire his his walk up song. It's going to be all right by Bob Marley. Respect yeah. for the Boston fans. Um, David Murphy from the Indians and David DeJesus from Tampa Bay. Three outfielders. Uh, I'm guessing that means no more Matt Joyce, who's hitting below the Mendoza line. Can't just can't throw the ball in the ocean or hit the ball in the ocean at this point. Um, but Victorino. Good pickup. I mean, he if yeah. healthy, he's a winner. I mean, he's always on winning teams. That's exactly what it is. I mean, again, another one of those guys. And that's what the trade deadline, I think, is all about. As much as people like to look at the uh, the, the, the big names and the ace pitchers, the big stars, guys like Victorino, you bring him to the clubhouse, he's won two World Series, and he's been on many teams that win. Uh, David DeJesus is a, just a, a veteran guy. I, I feel like he's been around forever. I like that pickup. And David Murphy, another good pickup. And again, uh, you know, Brian, I'm kind of looking at your notes here as well. I know you talk about Mike Trout's health. It's not a bad idea heading down the stretch to have those guys give Trout a few days off here and there. I know he's the best player in baseball, and you might want him out there. But if the Angels do perhaps maybe grab some sort of a comfortable lead at some point, get hot, maybe win, you know, 8 to 12 straight, get a little bit of a cushion, they can give Trout a day or two off because – as much as it's nice to have him out there, you're going to want him in the playoffs more than you're going to want him any other time during the regular season. How about the Dodgers? And, and the, first of all, they acquired Matt Latos and uh, Michael Morse, who they designated for assignment and traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates. But they also get Alex Wood, Jim Johnson, 
Bronson Arroyo uh, in that crazy 13-player deal with the Braves and the Marlins. But I think the bigger storyline, Nick, is the fact that the Dodgers, Magic Johnson is not afraid to spend his money because he's giving out eighty-five, over $85 million to eight different players that are not even on the Dodgers. They're on different teams. Let's go through the list real quick. Hector Oliveira, who's now on the Braves. He was a player from Cuba that they signed internationally. Matt Kemp is on the Padres. Danny Heron is on the Cubs. So Danny Heron went from Miami to the Cubs. They're still paying his $10 million. Still paying him. <laughs> Brian Wilson and Brandon League, they're not even in the league right now. They're not playing for any team. They're Mike, hanging out at home making, what, not, what is it, nine and a half and, and $7 million? Yeah. Michael Morse, who was there for about 35 seconds, they just, yeah, we'll, we'll pay for your $7.5 million. Literally didn't even step in the dugout. Ryan Webb, a right-handed pitcher from the Clum Indians, and then D. Corden, $2.5 million from the Miami Marlins. I mean, can it, it, it's amazing. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's it's unheard of. I mean, it's Yankee-like. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even know if the Yankees have went that far. I don't There's, think that's so. A lot, that's a lot of guys to be paying. They're not even playing for you. That's unbelievable. And talking about uh, Eric Freeman, he was the general manager for the Rays for the last nine seasons. This is his first year with the Dodgers, and his highest payroll was $77 million. And he's dealing with $85 million on different teams. So he's coming over thinking, oh, I get all the money in the world to spend now. I can do whatever I want. And you know what the sad part is? The Dodgers will just keep spending money in the offseason. Don't don't be surprised. And I know the Yankees said they didn't go out there starter because the market, the Cardinals are going to go after a guy. Price isn't going to stay in Toronto. I, you know, I'm sorry. I don't to think Toronto so either. Fans. He's no. not going to stay in Toronto because guess what? The Yankees, the Dodgers, and the Cardinals are going to throw huge money, and his agent wants to set the biggest pitching contract of all time and get him $215 million. Don't be surprised if one of those teams, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers throw out that much money to get him. Can you imagine those three at the top of the rotation? video game like yeah that's scary i mean if they were to have all those guys my god <sighs> anything else you want to talk about with lb trail line stuff any other you know I, I like i like what the what the cubs did i think that they got a couple guys um in hunter and heron i mean two right there could help them out a little bit um, are the Cubs going to win the World Series this year? Back to the Future Two thought so. I don't think so. Unfortunately, it would have been it would have been pretty cool. Uh, you know, they're they're in a, a in a division with two very very good teams. Uh, but I think they're setting themselves up to have a good season, a winning season. Maybe not get in the playoffs. However, to keep their fans, keep the hope up is it won't be two hundred years before they win a World Series, Brian. I think they'll win within. I th- you know, I-, I think they honestly could win a World Series within the next few years if they can get a little more pitching help. Because I think that the lineup is there because you have Bryant and Rizzo. Those are two guys. And then Addison wrestles on his way up, and they have a few more prospects down there they're going to bring up. They have a good farm system. Kyle Swaber. Um, so, uh, yeah, I- yeah, I think there's a-, there's a lot of potential for them to, you know, be one of the best teams in baseball over the next few seasons. But this year, no. However, again, I like the moves they made. Now, how about the Giants would leak? And one thing I like is – Tim Hudson, I know you, you mentioned, I'm reading here, just he, he uh, was in the pen. I don't know if you heard the story. He went up to Bruce Bochy and the GM, mm. and he told them, he said to him, look, I'm not doing, I'm not helping out too much. Go get a guy, Mike Leake, go get a guy that can come in here and take my role. I'll go to the bullpen. I'll do whatever. I, you know, that's a true guy right there. And that's unbelievable. Gonna, yeah. He's one of the better guys in baseball, and that's as a Yankee fan. I said to a few of my friends, I said, why can't Sabathia do that? What's he, <laughs> you know, no offense. I know they're paying him a lot, but Sabathia said, 
you know, bring Severino up or bring someone up, go get someone. I'll go to the bullpen because Sabathia, maybe since, you know, he's starting, he's trying to hold back on how hard he could throw. He might still have maybe 92, 93 miles an hour out of the bullpen if he's coming in to pitch one inning. I mean, he still has decent stuff, but the bottom line is he can't. He, he doesn't have it as a you know a six seven inning starter anymore. It doesn't seem like it. The Pittsburgh Pirates they picked up a couple guys, some pitchers: Jay Happ, Joe Blanton, Joaquin Soria. I think Joaquin Soria is the mo- is going to be the most uh, underrated pickup for this postseason, just because he he can be so dominant, and uh, he's now the fifth reliever on the Pirates team that has a less than three ERA. So you're talking about a good bullpen, Nick. That's a very good bullpen. There it is again. I mean, so many teams starting to look into it. It's all about the bullpen. The Yankees have caught on. The Royals, I think the Royals and Giants were two teams that kind of started that, more the Royals than anything else having that 7-8-9. But, yeah, they're catching on as well. And, you know, Brian, we're in August. I almost wish I could could fast-forward straight to the playoffs because they are going to be very fun to watch this year. The Cardinals – are very, very good, and I think uh, they are the favorites in the NL to get to the World Series. However, it seems like, you know, this year anything could happen. We might see two two second wildcard teams in the World Series. How Can you imagine that? That'd be – I mean, just the way it happened last year with the, the Royals and the A's that game, the Royals were down 7-3. They come back and win 8-7. Yeah. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. It's, it's much-watched TV. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, and I think that – as much as our friend Damon Gray likes to say baseball is uh, dying a bit, I think with that extra wild card spot and maybe down the road, maybe they add one more playoff spot. I think it just makes things more and more fun. And you know, but uh, question for you: Do you think that going anywhere past six teams in each league would be too much? I think it would be. I think six would be the deadline. I don't think they should go anymore because then you can give the, fir- the t- one and two, one and two seeds maybe a. I don't want to say a buy, but. Something where they have maybe a couple days off more, and those other four teams play. How they would kind of format? I don't think they'll go. I don't think they'll go past six. I mean, just because. Yeah. No, I mean, because then then you have to worry. It's like pitching, and and then how far is the season? Is what season going to go into like late November? I mean, you can't drag it. You can't drag it that long. Uh, I mean, it's just what they. The second wild card though is just it's absolutely fantastic. I love it. So I have. I have some trivia for you. All right, let's hear it. Go to this? All right. Yep. At 22 years old, who became the youngest player ever to be named the NBA MVP in 2011? Wait, 2011 NBA MVP? Yes. Youngest player ever. Who won the 2011? It's not Durant, is it? No. Cal, Cal Perry. Think of that. It's not Anthony Davis. Derrick Rose, my friend. Oh, Derrick Rose, right, yeah. Get a, a few more. What right. 19-year-old Atlanta Brave became the youngest player to ever play and go yard in Major League Baseball's postseason? Jason Hayward. Oh, postseason? In 1996. Chipper Jones. Close. Think of another guy that was the Braves back, back then when they, they had those really good teams. That. 19 year old, years old, youngest player to ever go yard in a major league baseball postseason during the 1996 NLCS. Is he still playing today? No, he retired a few years ago. Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones. Andrew All right, Jones. now this this one this one might be a little easier for you. In 2013, who became the youngest player in AL history? Alexander. Alexander. Bo- Sorry, I'll, I'll just stop. 
to hit for the cycle at 21 years old, nine months and 16 days. Youngest player in AL history to hit for the cycle. Jeez, these are some tough questions. Do you think... <laughs> um, He's one of the best, my friend. 20, it's not Trout. Yes, it is. It is Trout. He hit for the cycle? Trout. Huh. Yep. All right. You got one more? I'll go one, I'll go one more. Pittsburgh's Mike Tomlin became the youngest coach to ever win a Super Bowl by defeating the Arizona Cardinals in the Super Bowl. How old was he when he won that Super Bowl? 30. 36. 36. Now, Brian, I know you could see me because we're on Skype here doing this, but this right here was a gift. It's a stocking stuffer. Trivia. Page, page upon page. Wow. In one category, child's play. <laughs> there you and go. They you, and they go right to the you go right to the back page, and I got the answers right there. I tell you, this is a nice little learn some stuff from this. This is this is good stuff. I might have to check that out. All right, I have one question for you. Maybe, hey, maybe I'll go a couple more. Anyways, since 1995, which player traded at the trade deadline racked up the most RBIs with their new team in that season? Your four choices are. Mark Teixeira, Jermaine Dye, Manny Ramirez, or Richie Sexton? Hmm. You know, you, I want to go with the obvious, but I think it might be a trick question. I go with Teixeira. That is incorrect. Jermaine Dye. Jermaine Dye, huh? He was traded in 1995 from the Kansas City Royals to the Oakland A's, and he had 59 yeah. RBIs. Wow. Imagine that, and they missed the playoffs. They were a below a 500 team. <laughs> um, I'll go. These, these are some some past stump the bro questions. I'll go one more, then then I got to get going. Uh, let's see. Who recorded this? This is a good one. Who recorded the first ever RBI in New Britain Stadium history? Your choices are. I'll say. Oh, go ahead. 1997 is the year. Your choices are David Ortiz, Todd Helton, Torrey Hunter, or Corey Kosky. I got to go with Torrey Hunter just because Torrey Hunter. That's false. It's Todd Helton. Really? As an opponent for the New Haven Ravens. And how, I, how ironic now, Todd Helton's former team, the Rockies, are affiliated with the, with the Rockcats. Exactly. Opponent. And that was, a tri- it works out. that was a trivia question on Rockies affiliation day. Ah, okay. So okay. now, hey, Brian. Before we go, we you got to give the listeners a little bit of an update. What's going on this week on Tuesday? That's right. On Tuesday, I'll be coming up to Newport, Rhode Island, and uh, we'll be working AAC Football Media Day. And I'm yeah, very much excited. looking forward to it. Yeah, we're looking forward to having you. We'll have a good time. Uh, you, myself, Spence, Spencer's going to be coming up. Spencer, yeah, Matt and Matt Malolo. Uh, I know we'll all be kind of split up, but we'll be. Uh, Running, you can go to the American Digital Network if anyone wants to check it out. They're going to have the coaches' roundtable. Kevin Nagandi from ESPN will be there, so he'll be the MC. Mike Oresco, the commissioner, will speak, and we'll get to hear from all the coaches. And in a season which this year I think that the American will get a little bit more attention this year than I think they have in the past two years, adding Navy, I think it's going to be a little bit more fun. Working with the conference, I've gotten a good look at more of these teams. I think there's a lot more talent than people actually realize. And they got the uh, the playoff or the conference championship game. Championship, which is awesome. I mean, that's a great addition. Why? I mean, that's again, that's a reason why I think more attention is going to be put on the American than there has been the past two years.
All right, well, that's going to do it for this podcast. Nick, thanks for coming on today. It was a good time. Thanks. Thank you, Brian. I had a great time. All right, so, of course, you can check Nick out. He's going to be working with the AAC. AAC. I still get that messed up. Uh, so, thank, again, thanks for coming on, and uh, I will see you on Tuesday, huh? That sounds good. I can't wait. All right, you're listening to the Sports Brothers Podcast. We'll be back later next week. Sam will be on the show, or I'll be solo. Who knows? Stay tuned. Have a good one, folks.